Welcome back to Field Notes by Ag Choice, an educational podcast focused on inspiring growth in our families, businesses, and rural communities. Thanks for listening. This week's Field Notes is another feature from the Ag BizCast podcast. Launched in August, Ag BizCast shares inspiring stories of young, beginning, and small farmers. It's targeted at current, past, and future participants of the Ag Biz Masters educational program, but really anyone's invited to listen. Today's episode of the Ag BizCast is an interview with Dan Hartzell, who shares about his family dairy farm and how he grows his business. I invite you to look for and subscribe to Ag BizCast on your favorite podcast platform to hear more stories from young and beginning farmers like Dan. Now on to today's episode. My name is Iris Peters and with me today is Dan Hartzell, Ag Masters graduate and operator of his family's dairy farm. Dan, thanks for joining me today. Glad to be here, Iris. All right, thank you. So we can go ahead and get started. So Dan, can you tell us about your operation, um, some of the history of it and how you got started with it? Okay, a little history. I, I work on the Hartzell farm. Um, I'm a fifth generation dairyman in Western Pennsylvania, just north of Pittsburgh and Slippery Rock. The farm has been in the family since 1896. Um, it was purchased because of its the lay of the land and the good fertility of the land in the area here in Slippery Rock. Since then, the farm has grown. I guess in 1922, they milked about 20 cows, I always heard. And then um, that was about time the farm got electricity in the early 20s there. And from there, we've grown. We're, we're uh, about a 70-cow herd when I was a little fella. Um, we've since added on, and we're now milking about 260 cows. Wow. So it's really grown. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so why do you enjoy uh, farming and what inspires you to stay in business? I think farming is a rewarding career. I always joke it's a growing business, um, but realistically it is a business. And um, I think there's a lot of joy to be had farming, but it also can lead to a lot of pain and disappointment. So I think in a, in a career as a commercial farmer, you have to expect things not to go your way. And, and I think, I think for young people getting into the industry, there are a lot of challenges and Ag Biz Masters sort of helps people know what they're up against and take a realistic view of, hey, what, what type of business are we looking to run here and how do we achieve those goals moving forward? Definitely. Good answer. Um, so you talk about challenges uh, for yourself. What was the biggest challenge in operating your farming business? challenges. <laughs> I always joke because Penn State had the program called Dairy Challenge. And so when something goes wrong on the farm, I, I laugh and I say, this is a dairy challenge. Um, but I think the hardest days on the farm are, they're easy to dwell on, but you have to move past them. And, you know, I always joke that I've, I've lost my best cow 10 times. Another one's always showed up. So I think it comes to a little bit of how you, how you look at what you're working for in the long run. If you focus on short run shortcomings, et cetera, it can really start to snowball. So in the long run, you have to say, Hey, are we meeting our goals here as a business? Um, you know, you're going to lose calves. Your, your favorite cow won't always, she'll always get milk fever. We'll put it that way. 
But in the long run, you have to have that longer range view to say, okay, are we meeting the benchmarks for animal health? Are we meeting the benchmarks for production? Are we meeting the benchmarks for all those things DHI has records on? And trying to take that along with um, data on yields and you can say, okay, some guy in Iowa hit 350 bushel on corn this year. Well, what's a realistic yield for Pennsylvania? Are you making 120 bushel? Are you making 170 bushel? What's realistic for the productivity of the ground that you're running? You can't always benchmark off somebody that's six states away. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so in your farm business, what has been your favorite memory over the years? If you have one or maybe a couple. Favorite memory. You're hitting me with like emotional stuff here. <laughs> um, I think some of my favorite memories on the farm have just been the days when you, when you beat the clock, you know, your day starts early and you have only so much daylight to get done. And, and when you get done right before a lightning storm, I, it was odd. There was like, there was a stretch of about four, four cuttings of hay last year where we covered the bunker in a rainstorm and, you know, different cuttings of hay. And you could say, wow, that's terrible. We're covering the bunker in the rainstorm. But the fact that the cover was on the bunker and the hay wasn't out in the field getting lost might've indicated it was a successful day and not so much a, a tragedy that we thought it was getting wet under the, under the big storm clouds. I think there's storm clouds rolling in now. So that story was timely. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> yeah. It's always something to work around. Um, so yeah, I think, cool. oh, go, ahead. go ahead. Oh, I was going to ask the next question, but if you have something else to say, please go ahead. I think good memories on the farm are when you're, when you're there in the nick of time to make something happen. So many things are out of your control and just focusing on what you can control and say, you know, how many times a day are you checking on your fresh cows? How often are you making ration adjustments? How often are you tracking your production? How often are you tracking your expenses on different things? And then when things get out of whack, you need to be diligent to say, gee whiz, you know, the price of, Soybeans is up 33% this month. What are we going to do about it? And just tracking your costs and stuff, it can lead to a lot of long-term benefit because if you recognize things early on that are starting to snowball, especially in today's markets with feed prices, um, you can avoid some long-term suffering in, in the input side of your business, at least on the dairy end, which is obviously what I'm, I'm specialized in. But in, in anything, your input costs, trying to manage those input costs can really really pay back in the long run. Yeah. Always have to manage and plan, which can be tough, but beneficial. For sure. Yeah. Uh, so moving forward uh, with your farm and the business, what do you envision for the future of it? So the future, the future of Hartzell farm, um, we're kind of an in-between cow size, 250 cows. Um, I think, I think to stay competitive, I'll have to focus more on um, having custom operators help me get my work done because I'm not at a size where I can own all the bells and whistle toys that are available on the market today. You're looking at the price of new machinery headed north of a quarter of a million dollars. And, you know, with the milk revenue where it's at, I don't think, I don't think new, new equipment is always the answer. And you have to look at your business size and make adjustments to say, Hey, what do I do well? What could someone else do well or better than I can? You know, if, you're, if your grain drill is nine foot wide and the neighbor's is 25 foot wide, you might benefit from paying him versus, versus pulling your hair out for six days trying to plant a crop. 
I think time is always going to be money in the dairy business. And as my herd size grows, I think I really have to be more conscious of time management and, um, and another just real simple goal, I think moving forward with my business is to put people where they thrive. You realize that you're not just out there working with cows and a tuner cow herd. There's a lot of people involved in the business and to get them to get them in their niche, to find out what their specialty is. Hey, this guy's really mechanical. This fellow over here really enjoys the animals and to try to balance that all out and put people right where they fit best is really a good way to operate your business. And I enjoy working with the people aspect a lot. And I think there's a lot to be said for that because as your business grows, you're not going to pick every ear of corn. You just have to accept it. And I think the past five years has been a testament to, you know, to allow your business to grow, you have to trust other people to, to help you in their specialty. Definitely. So talking about the business planning, um, you're an AgBiz Masters graduate. So in your own words, what does AgBiz Masters teach young and beginning farmers like yourself? I think young and beginning farmers, I think one expression that I always caught was, what's a 30,000 foot view of your business? And, you know, you, I always spend time on Google Maps and you think, what what's going on here? <laughs> you know, looking at the business from the sky. Are you, are you making money? Are you, um, are you losing money? Are you, <laughs> so I think AgBiz Masters definitely gave me a scope to say, hey, these are the industry trends and just constantly being on AgWeb or numerous news sources, following markets. And I think that was a big push in the program and the ability to say, hey, I'm going to lock in my input prices here and, and not look back to say, okay, I'm avoiding, I'm avoiding $5 corn, but I'm paying a little more than the guys around me for a month or two, but in the long run, you might, you might make out. So to have a longer range view of your business, I think was the, probably my best takeaway from AgBiz Masters. And um, it's given me a little bit more of a foothold in some of the risk management strategies that are out there for dairy businesses. Um, you know, the name of the milk pricing game is volatility. And for years and years, dairy farmers have gawked back and forth. Oh, we need a guaranteed price. We need a guaranteed price. And now, believe it or not, the programs are finally out there with DRP and some other things. And they've allowed me to set some price floors and set some caps on things that I wouldn't have had the confidence to do without the AgBiz master's perspective of, Hey, you know, follow your markets, know the trends and, I think that's the future of the business is in looking at where markets are heading and allowing those decisions to dictate, okay, there is a market for more milk. We should expand versus, oh, you know, 2020, they were dumping milk or whatever. So you have to, you have to always be aware of the trends because you're not just an island out there on your farm. You're actually part of a bigger ag network in the, the world food network out there. Very true. Yeah, that was if a no great one wants answer. pumpkins, don't grow pumpkins. You know, it's like, exactly. it's kind of simple, but it's very complex at the same time. Yeah, well, it sounds like you know what you're talking about. So, uh, yeah, definitely, I think, taught you something. Or, or just fake it till you make it, maybe. That works, yep. too. Yeah, that's <laughs> always a good piece of advice. So you did talk about this a little, but um, is there anything more specifically with how Ag Judge Masters helped to improve your operation? 
or any changes that you saw in the operation after completing the program? I think changes I made due to Agbiz Masters. I think um, just operation efficiencies and really, really driving for milk production was one thing that I realized how simple it was that, you know, what is the effect of two more pounds of milk per cow? Well, it's pretty substantial or four more pounds of milk per cow and, and just being able to take a step back and look at your business. You can, you can get drowned yourself in the day-to-day operations, but if you can take a step back and say, well, if I had six points better forage quality and made another two pounds of milk, we'd make another $50,000 this, this quarter, this year. And in, in farming, I always joke because tractors used to be $30,000. Oh, you get any tractor you want for 30,000 bucks. Well, now $30,000 doesn't even buy you the wheel on a new tractor. So, so to always be updated on where, where prices are headed is a healthy dose of reality for a lot of people that you can, you can buy a lot of things on paper, but in the long term, if you're not profitable, you're, you're probably not going to stay in the, in the ag business forever because you can only go so long on credit. Mm-hmm, definitely. Um, so one last question for you today. Uh, can be kind of an intimidating one to narrow it down. So if you want to offer just one thing or a couple of things, it's up to you. But what piece of advice do you have for younger beginning farmers that are looking to start their own business? Oh, man. <laughs> well, hard question. I, I jotted a few things down. I was afraid this question was coming. So <laughs> I guess I guess I'd say avoid people who sound like a country song, you know, their dog ran away and everything's broken and, you know, down and outers aren't going to get you where you want to go in a, in a business setting. I always tell people, get your priorities straight. Um, it's good to keep positive contacts in the industry, you know, um, find someone who's successful and, and find out how they got there because they probably didn't get there by making the wrong choice seven days a week. Something, something went their way and you need to find out how they got there. I always, I already said, follow the economic trends. Um, I always try to focus on the controllable things. You know, if a hurricane comes and knocks over your cornfield, you probably couldn't have stopped that. But did you happen to have crop insurance on the field that got knocked over? So that's a controllable. You can control your crop insurance that you purchase or your coverage level. And um, just always try to know your numbers, you know, whether or not, it's a good year or a bad year. I think there's always a lot more money to be had on a good year. So when things are going good, it's the people that are saying, wait, the cows are making 80 pounds. Why aren't they making 85 pounds? Why aren't they making 90 pounds? They're always pushing for that next step that those are the businesses that are the most successful in the long run. When you ease off and you say, Oh, life is good. The grass is green. Everything's great. You might've missed a big opportunity by not, looking down the road at, at what could have been. So I think that's a big strength in the industry is to always be questioning, you know, where are we at? How do we get to where we want to go? Definitely. Well, thank you um, for those pieces of advice. I think it's yeah very valuable. Do you have anything else that you want to add? I know you said you had a couple of different notes. I don't want to cut you short of anything. I, I think this has been a great interview. I just wish everyone luck. This in Agbiz Masters. Um, it's a neat program. It's demanding. We'll give it that, you know, you'd rather be out there grinding feed in the rainstorm than making a business plan. But 
I think there's a lot to be said for um, getting everyone on the same page who's involved in your business. And, and the biggest thing that always came up when I was in Agbis Masters was transition stuff. And, um, well, daddy won't sell the farm. And, well, everybody's heard that. Why doesn't he want to sell the farm? And so some of those conversations, they're always difficult conversations to have in any family setting of, well, how do we want this to go? Which brother is going to own this? How do you want this farm to be divvied up? And, and, um, there's, there's a lot of, a lot to be said for farms that transition to the next generation. That is a huge hurdle in, in the ag industry. And I think every year, I forget what the statistics are, but you, you figure any farm that didn't get passed on their transition plan failed. And that's, that's hard to say, but, um, essentially their transition plan didn't work out. The farm was sold in an estate sale. And so to have those conversations earlier preemptively is always the best approach versus after the fact and all, oh, what did this will say or how did they want this worded? Because you can't, you can't get those questions out when it's too late. Mm-hmm. No, that's definitely a good point. Cause I think that so many of the ag masters graduates are, um, family farmers. So yeah, they have to right. deal with that transition and, process. And it's definitely one of the biggest hurdles in Pennsylvania agriculture that there's all these little tracts of land and, Oh, it's right next to the town mall. It's worth 600,000. Well, what's it worth? To, what's its farming value? What, what can Johnny make off of it growing corn versus what will the mall pay us to buy it? And those are tough conversations because money doesn't grow on trees that I've seen, at least on the trees around here. <laughs> <laughs> Sadly. <laughs> yeah. Well, great. Thank you so much for joining the podcast today and sharing some stories about your own operation, Dan. Yeah, I, I do wish everybody luck in Agbiz Masters. And it's just, it's, it's good to keep educating yourself because it's easy to get stagnated and, and not keep learning. So keep up with the challenge and keep on learning. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Agbiz Cast. To learn more about the Agbiz Masters program, visit agbizmasters.com or check out our Facebook page. Tune in every two weeks to hear more stories from our graduates and partners. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and review, plus subscribe and share it with a friend. As always, you can head over to agchoice.com slash podcasts to view the transcript and listen to other episodes. To catch all the latest from us, follow along on Facebook and Instagram at Ag Choice Farm Credit.